This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas and educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Can film help us understand educational phenomena? My guest today, David Cole, has co-written a new book called A Pedagogy of Cinema. By analyzing images in various films, he attempts to produce philosophical insights into education systems dominated by a digitalized, corporatized, and surveillance-controlled world. Deleuze has this, this concept of cinema thinking, which he, this is a philosophical concept that the actual film itself thinks. Having these images kind of rawly speak and to be used in education, I would say takes them further. It makes them come alive. It, it gives them a philosophical credence and a, an ability to you know, think for themselves, actually you know, become something else in the classroom, which is non-predictable. David Cole is an associate professor in education at Western Sydney University. David Cole, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you. Um, it's good to be here. You have a new book um, on the pedagogy of cinema. What is a pedagogy of cinema? Well, um, pedagogy of cinema is using a Deleuzean concept of cinema in education. So the next question, obviously, what is a Deleuzean concept of cinema? Um, this appears in his two books on uh, called Cinema, where he analyzes changes in cinema, really from, I suppose, the 19... 50s, 1940s, 1950s to uh, the present day, which for him was the 1980s. So it's trying to use his understanding of cinema for educational purposes. And what's the value of using such an approach? Well, I think it's an unexplored and a new resource for, for educators, for teachers, for, um, for thinkers and researchers in this field of education. Um, values are, are manifold, I think. Um, first, The first of them is to actually really you know, not place a, um, a lens over cinema an educative lens over cinema which diminishes from what the film itself and the and more specifically the images in the film can do for thinking. Deleuze has this this concept of cinema thinking which he this is a philosophical concept that the actual film itself thinks. So instead of saying for example I'm a critical pedagogic thinker and then placing that frame over films to use as examples of critical pedagogy. Example, someone like Henri Giraud writes about uh, critical pedagogy of film um, and, and in that he uses film in a way to illustrate uh, how critical pedagogy works. So instead of going in that way which kind of overlays film with a educational approach we're trying to get really to the image, you know, kind of cut down into the images themselves. Of, of film. Of, so that would be the cinema thinking. 
that is the yeah, cinema thinking. So what Deleuze is doing in his construction over those two books where he uses a host of philosophical arguments is he's questioning the you know the subjectivity the human aspect of constructing these films so the, he's trying to get the images to think themselves uh, so what type of films can can you use um, the approach of cinema thinking to think about education all right well in in the book um, you know it's always easiest to, to think about or to use films that you yourself have a you know some some investment in some you know you you've watched them you've thought about them you've you've uh, taken note of uh, the connections within the images that you can you can make to other aspects of life itself. Um, so in the book, in um, for example, in chapter two. I look at uh, Suspiria, which is a uh, Italian horror film. I look at the work of David Cronenberg, and I look at a horror, a recent horror film called Under the Skin. So each, each film, each image itself within that film, you could, you know, according to this Deleuzean perspective, you could say has a philosophical possibility there. Obviously, it's up to the the, the you know, educator or the teacher the uh, and, and the uh, how it's applied to to get to that level where these images can think themselves so is a pedagogy of cinema a way to read film as analogous or an, as an analogy to understand issues within education is that what you're you're getting at it it can that can be part of it um it's it's a very it's a very open approach in that respect. Um, whether how self-reflexive it wants to be, that's that's up and that's you know that's according to what particular films you choose, how they uh, how they relate to the cohort that you're using them with, what questions come up due to the cinema thinking, the philosophy uh, underpinning these films. You know, in the in the book itself, I choose a lot of examples that tell us something about globalization, and I think this is this is kind of a positive use of Deleuzean uh, idea of con of cinema in this concept in in this context because you know, it connects to a lot of De Deleuze's um, you know it connects to an analysis of capitalism, which was one of Deleuze's big uh, concerns anyway. So let's go into to the globalization um, example. So, so what sort of films did you analyze to try and understand globalization? All right. So globalization is, uh, I mainly looked at globalization in chapter six. I used the films there of Brazil. In the first place, so Brazil, I think, is a good one to use uh, to look at. This is by the American director Terry Gilliam, uh, 1980, uh, and it's a sort of reworking of 1984. So that that in itself brings in brings in lots of you know images, thinking what these images mean, how they what they uh, they do in the world, and how they relate to globalization. So it's a dystopic uh, vision of the world. Um, science fiction, or you know, or you know, extending facts of today into a fictionalized version of the world, where you know, and explores 
aspects of power, bureaucracy, psychological torture. Um, so some of the images that I use, one of them is uh, where, where the hero is being um, tortured by uh, in the in one of these huge ministries um, with it with a guy with a child's mask on. So you know you you can you can see how that torture the uh, psychological psychologically trying to get you to conform to the system, all of that sort of thing. That's that's in that image. Next image is a Ministry of Information. So you know the contradictions. So this is this was a, an Orwellian concept really the, the kind of double thing that we have going on so the ministry of information and all the all the information obviously is protected and safeguarded and uh, is almost a military industrial complex around information so uh, that image speaks to that then there's the hero of this film itself in his you know there's sort of um, a little bit like uh, in 1984 you've got uh, Winston Smith is that there's the hero the anti-hero the hero in in 1984 and he's kind of innocent you know he's just he's in all of these clearly uh, difficult uh, environments where information where the truth where secret police are, are watching everything you do where surveillance has been ramped up so we have to be very very careful what we say how we act otherwise that you know, we might get caught out. In that environment, um, the hero that is, is, you know, the innocent heroes, you know, he's, he's during the film, during, you know, his images show you how he's changing, he, how he's realizing all of these things, all of these power uh, concerns around him. So the, the, the cinema, the, the cinema thinking, the, um, you know, the question that happens you know, unfolds through his character, through the narrative and the connections that he makes. Obviously, he falls in love, and so that for him is a way out of this repressive uh, environment where he's just made to do bureaucratic, futile, repetitive tasks um, all the time and, and look for information. So that gives him a point, it gives him a, a focus, gives him an end to all of this repetition. Um, so it's a re you know so in the book I talk about these images as being a reading of globalization and the specific images that Gilliam uh, creates you know, helping us to to think beyond just you know a simple analysis or an educative analysis of of globalization to making all the different connections so what sort of connections what sort of connections are you making um, through the f cinema thinking of Brazil and contemporary globalization. Well, I think it you know the situation has has changed since since the 1980s and uh, and uh, Gilliam was was making Brazil it's I would say the the more you know the bigger connections that we can make in terms of our cinema thinking is is in terms of financial capitalism, uh, the global financial crash in 19, in 2008. Uh, and the ways the ways in which globalization and finance has really converged and makes um, thinking through these these types of power complexes even even more complex than it was before. Um, yeah, it's a different. It's just different. This is what uh, I would advocate in terms of using Deleuze Guattari. Deleuze Guattari. Um, 
you know, they, their work was in the came out in the 1970s. So their analysis of the contemporary situation is based in the 1970s. So really to do the work today, to understand globalization today, you've got to try and update it with, with the latest effects of capitalism. I would say that the latest that I can understand it is financial capitalism and the ways in which um, crises are part of the, the way the system ebbs and flows. The next one we looked at, I looked at in the book was uh, Memento, which was an early 1990s film. And that looked at time in particular. And you know, time is an um, important part of the Deleuze thesis in, in his cinema books. His, his thesis is essentially that films, the early films were about uh, movement images. So directors and, and filmmakers, they were, they were trying to show movement through their films. But what happened at the beginning of the 1960s and with pivotal directors uh, such as Hitchcock is that the time, the time image came more and more important. So it's a playing with and it's a use of time through film. And so Memento is a really good exemplar of that um, because it, it's playing with somebody, you know, the central character uh, has a problem with time, can't remember things, he has a form of amnesia. So he wakes up um, not being able to remember his, his immediate past. So, you know, in terms of the image, cinema thinking and the images of this film, in the book, you know, trying to sort of spread it out into this this thought of globalization. You know, we live we live in a time where we're bombarded with image, where there's so much information. Everything is readily available through the internet, through almost being uh, forced to digest too much information, and that can lead to, you know, as I argue in in the uh, in the chapter. A form of oversaturation of image and and, and, and problems or, or possibly leading to problems with memory so you know it's not it's not as if you know the film shows you a definite analogy that this is what it's like nowadays but it shows you this possibility shows you this trajectory this this possibility in which the memory is less important that constantly you know um, living in a very visual uh, data rich environment in which um, it becomes more easily to be manipulated, and this is what happens. In you know, the film gives us that sense in a very visceral way that we are that the main character is manipulated through his loss of memory by these other characters who exploit him for their own their own gains. Um, so it's a you know, it's a quite a it's a dizzying, it's a vision of loss of self control, um, which I think is again is an interesting way to understand globalization. So how do these? How do these? I'm I'm sorry to interject, but how do these? Um, how do these films um, say something about education, or how do you apply the cinema thinking that you found in these films to education? Well, it's you know it shows you what you can do in education. You know, rather than sort of setting a, an educational lens like you know the the example that I use for critical pedagogy which can be useful in some ways in understanding aspects of, of uh, 
capitalism and exploitation. And so instead of pre-figuring how you're going to use these images, just having these images kind of rawly speak and to be used in education, I would say takes them further. It makes them come alive. It, it gives them a philosophical credence and a, an ability to you know, think for themselves, actually you know, become something else in the classroom, which is non-predictable. Um, that is that is the you know the the potential. So so for example, the last um, the last film that I talk about in chapter six is uh, Melancholia, the Von Trier film. You know, and, and you, you you could say that this is quite a you know it's quite a confronting film. It's quite a you know in terms of education, you wouldn't maybe go to this type of film. Why? Because you know it, it, it it's quite jarring. Uh, it's like the end of the world type scenario, and and it go and it deals with depression. It deals with uh, lots of, of difficult aspects of contemporary life. But again, I think this is this is the kind of the joy of the Deleuzean aspect to cinema that it's it's not judging beforehand how educationally you use it. You, know, you take the images as raw data, and you let them think. You let them take you on a journey as far as you can, and making as many connections. Um, with phenomena around you. Obviously, it's going to be dependent on the thinking possibilities in the classroom and your, and your students. You know, you don't want to think for your students. You don't want to say, well, this is... You know, what The opposite of a Deleuzean approach to cinema is, is saying to your students, this is what this film means. It's, it's setting up uh, the context or the educational um, ability in the classroom to, to let the the images think and take them as far to experiment to let the students draw on as much experience and knowledge and thought and creativity as they can muster so the careful choice of film you know this is why i've chosen these four films in this the other film that i chose in this chapter was the recent one snowpiercer the uh, science fiction film which again set you know sets up these possible analyses of what is going to happen uh, in, in environmental, if em, environmental catastrophes accelerate to a certain extent, and you know humanity is 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 turned, you know, turned into this um, you know enclosed, uh, crippled, um, you know, rabble on a train which is fighting for existence. You know what happens then? How was you know what would be a revolution in this context? So you don't want to predict. Well, your class is going to say this. It's going to interpret these images in this way. No, that that's the opposite of what you want to do. You want to actually leave it open. I would say as as a as a field of semiotics, so it can be studied in that open signs type of way. So cinema thinking, you're saying, is 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 a way in which to let the images in film speak for themselves, and then you can try and interpret them, and then that sort of approach you're advocating should also be in classrooms. Is that, is that correct? That is correct, yes. What can a, using a pedagogy of film for a movie like Memento, what does it reveal and tell us about globalization and education that other theories do not? It's, you know, the, the Deleuzean approach in many ways, is is quite a you know it's not a um, exclusive type of approach. It doesn't knock other approaches out. What it does is it often sits in between other approaches. 
So what it's trying to do all the time is open up possibilities within one's pedagogy, within one's teaching. So you know what it does for something like Memento that other film, other approaches might not do is is really take seriously. I think the connection between this this time dimension in films and and how you know how we can think it in our lives, how we can really uh, do something with it. You know this this is this is why he he relates it to to Bergson's duration, which is a very creative idea of time it's an intense time it's a time where you know things come together where thoughts happen where it's, it's a kind of almost a philosophical you know Deleuze calls it uni univocal it's a, it's a time where expression builds and extends and increases and works together uh, and, and so ultimately I think that's what Deleuze gives you it gives this, this bigger it's almost metaphysical approach to going from the image to thinking as you know, thinking all these connections, all these possibilities. So, this Deleuzian approach that you say continuously opens up new spaces for new thinking. How do you incorporate that into your own teaching? Oh goodness! Um, well, I've been, I've been a, I was a teacher for, I was an international English teacher for eleven years. Now I've been a university lecturer for twelve years. Uh, so I, I suppose I'm constantly questioning my pedagogy. Uh, I, I never really think I know, you know, a lot or not enough, or you know, I, I don't ever try and come across as authoritarian. Uh, I'm always looking to play with the power relationships in the classroom. Um, you know, objects, images things, students, and, you know, thought can come from all sorts of unlikely, interesting, unusual places, not just from the usual teacher, student, transmission model or, or kind of direct instruction. Um, so I, I suppose I'm always trying to play and use as much as I can in my, in my context or, and, and, you know, around me to, to create these uh, new possibilities for education. Yeah, it seems like your research is, you know, focuses on Deleuze and therefore tries to open up spaces to think about these concepts in education like globalization or power in, in new and creative ways. And then you also apply the same approach to your own teaching. So the, an issue that I, I see is, you know, how do you in your teaching teach Deleuze? How do you end up teaching the concepts of a pedagogy of cinema in your classes? I mean, because the concepts seem, the concepts are quite challenging to grasp. Um, so I would imagine many students um, have a hard time trying to um, not only understand the ideas, but then apply them in their own research. I think you're right. I, th I think it's, it's, it's quite rare that I, I meet students able to take up that challenge. But interestingly, I've just come back from Iran, where I gave a, a keynote address to a Philosophy of Education Society conference, their national conference in Iran. And I found students, it was, it was interesting because I, I, they asked me to do a, a workshop and then a keynote address. And in the workshop, I was taught, they wanted me to talk about critical thinking. So I gave quite a straight sort of analytical philosophy approach to critical thinking. 
but they could tell the students there obviously everything I said was uh, mediated but it was translated but the students can tell that I had you know my approach was different to the one that I was just telling them about which is which is the sort of standard version of critical thinking you know to look at logic and, and sort of language-based approach and so they pushed and pushed and they wanted me to, to talk about the Deleuzean approach uh, but there because they had a handle on the philosophy of education and they could quite easily go between critical thinking and pragmatics and, uh, and analytical philosophy so because they had that at their fingertips the Deleuze approach fitted into that so unless you've got students able uh, and prepared to to you know think really think about the theory behind their pedagogy uh, you know it's it really isn't worth uh, introducing the Deleuzean approach other than just demonstrating through your pedagogy i've been doing this now for you know uh, a number of years and it's it's rare that i've even met a postgraduate student who who fully grasps it do do you think you fully grasp it probably not Probably not. I, I go to Deleuze studies conferences. There's one in Korea, I think, this week. Or, you know, I'm not going to be there. I've been to quite a few, and obviously, Deleuze gets applied to all sorts of things. Uh, but I, I think you, a lot of those things that he gets applied to, just you can say, well, this is about thinking about what you're doing. So, for example, art practice, it gets applied to a lot of people practitioners in the arts who are making for example concept new conceptual art so what Deleuze does it gives you a thinking frame where you can you know you can question capitalism you can question the human behind that new bit of artwork you can question the, the you know the the semiotics the signs that that piece of artwork will give you but what Deleuze gives you is a, is a framing that brings all this together so it's not just one simple sort of uh, homogeneous approach to it. It gives you a, a, a quite a fractured, heterogeneous uh, approach. And that is, you know, that's interesting to articulate. How is your approach using Deleuze um, accepted or, or, or maybe what is the challenge of using such a... Um, a more artistic, creative, philosophical approach. How is it accepted or not in um, the study of globalization and education? Well, it's uh, you know challenges getting people to you know, to really buy into it if they haven't read it and they haven't thought about it, because um, in education they people tend to want a quite a simple you know dot point uh, explanation of what it can do for them. Um, and the Deleuzean approach always sort of works against that. So, for example, I, I recently published a book um, called Super, which I I call Super Dimensions in Globalization and Education. And so, contributors, you know, they came with all their different. I would say, generally speaking, that a, a critical approach to globalization and education, looking, for example, at inequities between uh, the first world, the second world, the third world, all that sort of thing, you know, that uh, problems in global global education that are to do with the unequal distribution of wealth and all that sort of thing. So what I tried to do by framing it in this Deleuzean way is, is not discount those approaches, but integrate them into, uh, as you said, a more philosophical, creative, affective, 
uh, approach as well, which which doesn't discount the critical approaches to, to global um, educational inequities, but I would say uh, gives gives a, a different way of dealing with them. Do you think that you are simply using Deleuze's thinking and philosophies and theories, or are you advancing them in, in certain ways? Um, again, good question. Uh, you know, Deleuze himself in a news, I'm sorry, in a um, newspaper interview said that he's providing a conceptual toolkit for people to use, you know, and he just says, you know, use it in any way you want. And that's, you know, that's kind of what he was um, looking for. Um, there, there are obvious regressions when you when you you start writing and you and, and uh, doing Deleuze and and that's you know, I just kind of endlessly explaining what you mean for example um, that doesn't advance anything you know I think the most the most creative the most progressive the most forward-thinking ways what it does it always looks between all right what is understood what is you know how how can Deleuze work here and and coming up with something new so some sort of new conceptualization and having data having evidence around that data for example I've been working with um, a Canadian professor for a number of years on this multiple literacies theory so I would understand it as, as a form of semiotics uh, but you could, you could also just look at it as as you know I would say advanced progressive literacies study that doesn't ever homogenize literacies into for example English teaching as being about, you know, very uh, top-down, power-based learning. Does, does cinema, the cinema thinking, apply to this multiple literate, literacies? Yeah, it does. Well, as I said, through semiotics, um, you know, I think cinema has all sorts of possible applications and uses in education. Obviously, it's, it's about visual data. So you could say it's like a visual literacy, but also within those images, there are all sorts of other things you can talk about, you can discuss, you can use with your students to help them improve their literacies. So it's it's getting, can you see, you know, dividing down, 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 and more and more into what all the, the, the regime of signs, you know, the, the Deleuzean uh, material regimes of signs within these images are to get the educational content out. It's all about content. Um, and, and that that is you know that is the resource that is where it is that's where the the progressive nature of it is is at so it's you know getting stuck in one position that's the danger getting stuck in sort of one way of thinking about these things um, so I've you know I haven't written about multiple literacies for a while even though I, I still lecture in ESL and um, you know my my approach to ESL is all about engaging with the first language as well as with English so you know creating this you know this this transference between the two languages uh, so it's it's not about in any way imposing English on a subject and cinema is another strategy for that I haven't used it yet but it's definitely there well David Cole thank you very much for joining Fresh Ed Okay, thank you. David Cole is an associate professor in education at Western Sydney University. His new book 
is called A Pedagogy of Cinema. Fresh Ed is going on holiday and will return in August with new episodes. Fresh Ed is brought to you by the Globalization and Education Special Interest Group of the Comparative and International Education Society. You can subscribe to Fresh Ed on iTunes and follow the show on Twitter using the handle at Fresh Ed Podcast. The opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not CIES or the Globalization and Education SIG, which take no institutional positions. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem.